Uh, good morning. Glad that you are here. Got an introduction that I want to do uh, for you. So, um, Ari and Kayla, where are, oh, there you are, over there on the side. Come on, bring your family up. And then Eric and Brooke, if you'll join us up here. Um, so, what we want to do is introduce you to a new pastoral couple and introduce their family and give them a chance to greet you. But we're having Eric and Brooke come up too. So, in just in case, I think most people know, but just in case, Eric and Brooke have been our youth pastors uh, in our church and have served Jubilee for really uh, a long period of time. When we were campus churches, they were the youth pastors down in Castle Rock, went to Bethel School of Ministry, came back to Denver. As soon as they came back, we're like, you know, got a position for you. And um, part of the reason that they came back, Eric's father owns a roofing business and uh, needed Eric's help. Is that the fairest way to say it? And so Eric said, I'll do the youth too, they both, but it's with the understanding that I've committed to my dad. And his dad has come and said, Eric, it's not working for me with the hours that the church is pulling from you. And Eric, I, full credit, honor, and the right thing to come and say, you know, John, I committed to my dad first, and you guys were aware of that. So they had to step back, but at the same time, this couple has been the couple that's been working with our youth for the last several years. And so I didn't know. Let me, let me explain a God factor here. Eric and Brooke had not told Chris and I yet that this was happening. And we were getting ready to leave for Israel. And I ran into Ari back in the hallway in the offices back here. And I just said, Ari, how are you doing? What are you doing? And he said, you know, funny that you ask. We're getting ready to leave for Bethel. And I'm like, why? And he said, John, we've been pursuing ministry for a long time. We feel like maybe that's the place that the Lord would have us go. And I said, I don't have time to get into this, but don't do anything until I get back from Israel, is what I said to him. So I still don't know about this. And I'm trying to find, we talked about, okay, I'm an outreach pastor. Is there some way that this couple can be here? And then in the meantime, Eric and Brooke tell us what's going on. And I knew that the Lord had opened the door for Ari and Kayla to be here, especially in that way. And then Eric and Brooke confirmed it by saying, this is the couple that you need to choose. Eric even said to me, John, it's going to be better. Uh, to which I said, I don't, can it be better? But that wasn't a slam against you. That was a praise <laughs> for them. But we do believe it will be better. And we do believe that you're the couple that God has called here and that the Lord has opened the door and made room for you here. They have a beautiful family, huh? Look at these four kids. And that, I said last night, uh, three girls, and then this is their man-child that they finally got uh, over here on this side. It's Providence. <laughs> You're a little Amy, is what you are. Um, so uh, we want to pray uh, over Eric and Brooke, and we want to pray over Ari and Kayla uh, and their family, and then I'm going to give Ari a, chance to, uh, um, Ari a chance just to uh, greet you. Would you Stretch your hands this way and pray with us. Pastors, would you do that? Chris, if you want to join me, come on up, my love. Um, and so, yeah, come in the middle here. So, Father, we just lift up right now uh, Ari and Kayla, and thank you for this couple, Lord. We bless them. We welcome them. We open up this church, this ministry, our teenagers, Lord God, to the call that's on their life. Lord, I pray your blessing on them. I pray you give them vision. I pray you give them favor. I pray you increase them, Father God. Lord, I ask that they would see revival amongst the teenagers, not only in our church, Lord, but in this area. That you would bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Kids that today don't even know who God is will know because you've said yes to the Lord. I pray over your marriage for protection and blessing. I pray over your children that the Lord will keep them, that they will love Jesus because of your decision. They'll never walk a day in opposition to that, but you will see the goodness of God over every part of your family because you've been obedient and said yes to him. I pray his blessing in your finances. I pray a long tenure over you guys. And I ask the Lord to keep you. Eric and Brooke, step up here for just a minute. Just wanna, wanna bless the two of you. You have done well, you have done right, you have honored the Lord, you have honored Chris and I, you've honored well the teens in this church. Your vision has been sterling. 
the gifts and the call of God are without repentance. And like Chris and I have said to you, the door remains open. And I don't know what the Lord will do in the future. You don't know right now either. But we say to you, when the time is right, you're welcome back into ministry. And as you are faithful to what the Lord has told you to do with your father, Eric, that's a noble, honorable thing. May he bless the two of you. May he bless your family. While you're in that place of just being obedient and you're growing and God is using this in your life, it's never a rah-rah time. It's kind of a like we're just being faithful. But it's the byproduct of faithfulness that brings promotion in our lives. So we know that God has promotion in this. We know that he has good things in this. And again, the gifts and the call are without repentance. Once he gives them, they are there forever. So we know that there's new things. There's new things that he has for you. So we bless you in this meantime place. We bless your dad's business, your business too, Eric. We bless your family and all that God has for you. And thank you for being people of integrity and honor and doing this the right way. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Let's thank them and greet our new youth pastors this morning. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to let Ari say so. Um, so I, I, last night I didn't give him a chance to talk. I just talked all the way through it and we talked afterwards and he had a couple things. So I'm like, Ari, come on. Sweet, I'm, I'm, I'm about to preach, so buck your seatbelts. <laughs> give me the mic. No. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. But uh, we do have a meet and greet in two weeks. Um, so it'll be back in the youth room. And I saw some young guys coming here with their Bibles. I'm sure I'll pick you out somewhere, but there's a verse in the Bible that's... Uh, There's a verse in the Bible that says, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So if it's in your heart to serve, and if it's in your heart to reach the, the youth, um, come find me because we need, we need some laborers. So we bless you guys and hope to see you in two weeks. Thank you very much, my friend. Love you guys. Kayla, did you want to say anything? Um, thank you for having us. <laughs> <laughs> and what? I'm happy Prom didn't cry today. Yes, yes. She, she fussed last night, but, um, or he fussed last night, but he did, he did fine today, didn't he? So, yeah, if you want to get a chance to get to know them, if you have teens, like he said, in a couple of weeks, there'll be, um, you know, a meet and greet, and it'll be a good time to hear from them and welcome them, and um, really a sweet couple and definitely very called of the Lord. Can I give this to one of you guys to hang back up? Jake, thanks. Thank you. Okay, um, <clears throat> here's what we're doing. I, so I mentioned the way that we did communion today, we switched it up because normally we do it at the end of our service where we have time just to enjoy it and to take it. In fact, with the staff this week, um, just uh, maybe just be praying about this. This is why I'm, I'm sharing it. With the staff this week, we took communion and we did it the way we used to where we had the bread that we could break and then we had the wine and the juice, and people could ask for whichever one. And then Chris and I were able to serve our staff and give them the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation. It was so good because you have a chance to look people in the eye and to greet them. And if you have a word for them, you can give it to them at that time. And it just during the last couple of years, obviously, with, um, with dealing with COVID, we've had to go away from doing communion that way. But I'm really anxious to go back to that. And I'm asking the staff, so like this, this week, I'm asking David Melson, do you think we can do it yet? David's like, one man's opinion, but I think it's still a little too early to be doing communion that way. So if you didn't enjoy the crusty bread, blame David Melson for the experience. <laughs> which is that I'm teasing. We just, I just, I'm anxious to get back to communion that way where the pastors can serve you and spend a little more time in intimacy. I think it helps to aid to the idea of what communion was supposed to be. But we're trying to take it, and today, we, I just feel like the Lord interrupted a little bit of what, what we normally do. We had planned to start a new series on worship this weekend. I felt like the Lord, um, through the last couple of weeks, actually, uh, the teaching team was meeting together, praying about it, talking about it. Jake and I, we just got done four weeks on spiritual warfare, but both of us agreed there was more that we wanted to say. So we don't want to belabor this, and we don't want to go much longer in this. But there's, there's at least a couple of more weeks that we just got some practical things that we want to teach. And I think when you hear it today, you'll understand why the Holy Spirit does this. And then at the end, our prayer team will come up. And if you need prayer, don't decide if you do right now. Wait till you hear the message uh, to make your decision. But you'll see, we had a fantastic time last night 
just uh, in God's presence. And I believe he'll do that again uh, today. So uh, here, look, over the last few weeks, uh, I taught about who the real enemy is, that it's easy to get your eyes on the wrong enemy and not spot the hidden one. I talked about the necessity of the blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony that the Bible says helps us to overcome uh, the enemy. Jake taught on the armor of God, and it was excellent, but we both agree that there's just more practical that we can teach. And I I wrote down in my notes, uh, I don't know that we'll be able to cover all of these things, so today I'm going to talk about fasting and prayer, and I know you're like, Pastor, anything but that message, man. How come the Bible doesn't say eating in prayer? Why isn't it... Daniel said that to me. Why? You know that scripture where Jesus said, this kind only comes out by fasting and prayer? I'll show you in just a minute. Daniel said, why doesn't it say it only comes out by eating and prayer? How easy it would be for us to all do that one, right? I thought it was funny. You apparently did not. Was not mocking the scripture. It was just a funny, funny comment. Uh, The Bible says submitting and resisting is a form of warfare. It says submit yourself to God, um, resist the devil, and what? He'll flee from you. So we never think that that is a form of spiritual warfare, but sometimes just saying no to what the enemy wants and saying yes to what God wants is all that you need to do. Sometimes it takes more than that, though. We're going we're gonna to look at that today. Uh, binding and loosing. You remember Peter and Jesus? The disciples are in an area called Caesarea Philippi. Uh, we actually go there when we're in Israel. It's a, it's a beautiful place. Uh, and in that place, Jesus is walking with the disciples, and he asked Peter, who do people say I am? And Peter, he said, some say that you're Elijah, come again. Some say that you're a great teacher and a prophet. And then Jesus gets to the heart of the matter and he just looks at Peter and he says, who do you think I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus tells Peter, uh, that didn't come to you in natural ways. That's been revealed to you from heaven. And then he says, on this revelation, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not win. They will not prevail against it. And then Jesus immediately, in the same context, it's just always left out. Jesus immediately goes, uh, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And here are the keys. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And we always think of whatever we bind in heaven should be bound on earth. But he says, what you bind on earth will be bound in the heavenlies is what he means. And what you loose on the earth will be loosed in the heavenlies. So binding and loosing is one of those things. We just we never had a chance to teach on that. I hope that we will. Uh, faith, Jesus, he, he's talking about uh, if you say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and you believe in your heart and do not doubt, it shall be done. Faith is spiritual warfare. Amen. Do you believe that? It, it's, it's, a, it's a way that we overcome the And then obedience even like what, what Eric is doing right now. Obedience is like, in my mind, it's an umbrella. That when you stay in an obedient place, it protects you from some of the fiery darts that the enemy shoots at us. And in the Old Testament, it, here's what it actually says. To obey is better than sacrifice. And then the next verse says, literally think about this, witchcraft is the sin of rebellion. Why does it put those two things together? The idea with witchcraft is that you're doing something outside of what God wants. You're doing your own thing. It's rebellious. But when you're obedient, you're under the thing that God wants and it protects you. So is it possible that obedience can be a form of spiritual warfare? Can you agree with that? We live in such rebellious days that a lot of people don't get that. They think, hey, I'm my own person. I can do what I want, when I want, how I want. That's not the way that it works with God. If you want his blessing, you do it his way. Agreed? So there's just a lot more that we can teach that's very practical that I think will help you uh, and and give you just victory in areas. Okay, today, I got one point. I'm going to talk about prayer and fasting. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, great, one point, we'll be out of here quickly. You won't. I'm just going to tell you, right? It's, it just, uh, yeah. I I even thought, if I go to one point, maybe I can trim the message down and then, um, well, you'll see. So let's start. Mark chapter 9. Okay, context. Jesus is with the twelve. And um, he's been teaching, he's been preaching. They've actually pulled back from the crowd and they come to an area called Mount Tabor, T-A-B-O-R. Mount Tabor also in the Bible is known as the Mount of Transfiguration. So Jesus has his 12, but he also has his three. And of the three, he's got one that he's really good friends with, at least according to the one. John says of himself, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Can you imagine having that good of a, Self-esteem, 
that you put yourself above all the other disciples. I'm the one that Jesus loved. So Jesus, out of the 12, takes the three, Peter, James, and John. They go to the top of the mountain, and at the mountain they have this incredible experience. Uh, Moses and Elijah appear to them. You imagine? And how do they respond to that? They're in awe. And then Peter, who always just, you know, right or wrong, he's always sure about what he's, what he's doing. So he says to Jesus, do you want us to build tents for Elijah and Moses to be able to sleep in? I, can you see Jesus just like, what? Who are you? And then here's the remarkable thing and why they call it transfiguration. God's presence is there. And the Bible says that Jesus literally is as bright as the sun. So what is that? The disciples, they can't even look at him, it's so bright. What is that? The Bible tells us he is reflecting the glory of the Lord. In right relationship, all of us are to reflect the reality of a different reality. Amen. Think about that. In right relationship, what we're to do is to, we're not reflecting our glory, our story, our goodness, our ability. What we do in right relationship is that we reflect the glory of the Lord, yes or no. When your life is put on display for people to see, it's not to say how good you are, it's to say how good our God is. And so that's what's happening in this moment. The disciples see it. They all go back down the hill after a couple of days. And when they get to the bottom of the hill, the bottom of Mount Tabor, man, there's a ruckus going on. The rest of the disciples are down there. The Pharisees are down there. Teachers of the law are down there. They're, they're arguing with each other. It, it's, they're tussling a little bit with each other. It's getting a little out of hand. Jesus walks into that moment, and here's where we pick up the story. And when he came to the disciples... He saw the great crowds amongst them and the scribes debating with them, right? We got a little ruckus going on here. And immediately all the crowds saw Jesus and they were astonished and they ran and they greeted him. And he was asking the scribes, what are you debating with my disciples about? One of the crowds, one from the crowds answered and said, teacher, I brought my son to you who has a dumb spirit. But remember, Jesus has been up on the top of the mountains. So he turns to the disciples. And whenever it comes upon him, the spirit, it throws him, it beats him, he gnashes his teeth, and he wastes away. And I spoke to your disciples that they might cast it out, and they were not able to do it. Jesus answered and said to them, faithless generation, how long will I put up with you? How long will I endure what you're doing? Bring him here to me. And then Jesus, uh, uh, in, in the bringing uh, saw what the spirit does. When the spirit saw him immediately, it threw the boy um, on the ground. He fell, he was convulsed, he foamed at the mouth, right? This is not, we read this 2,000 years later and it's sort of a cleaned up, you know, amazing picture. Can you imagine being there in the moment, how that must have looked? I mean, this is wild. This is crazy. This is, this is out of control, Right? And yet Jesus is, he's presiding over this. So Yeshua asked his father, the father of the boy, um, how long a time has he been like this? And the father said to him, from his childhood. So this, this young boy, this young man has for many, many years, he's been tied up and afflicted by the demonic. And then the father says this, look at this. And many times the spirit has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. So I believe that, that this was the spirit of suicide on this kid's life. And that the spirit is trying everything it can do to destroy this kid. Apparently, when it takes over, the kid throws himself into the water to be drowned. or into. Could you imagine? I mean, no matter how tough you have it with your teen, are you dealing with that right there? You imagine that. And so then the father says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, help me and have mercy on me. And Yeshua said to him, if you are able to believe, everything is possible to the one who believes. It's powerful words. And immediately the father of the boy cried out, weeping and saying, I think this is maybe one of the most honest statements in the whole Bible, right? From humanity to the father. I believe my Lord, but it's a semicolon. Help my lack of faith or help my unbelief. Anybody in this room ever been in that place? You believe, but some things you just don't understand and you need God's help. Yes or no? And it may not just be dealing with a child. It may be dealing with the situation. It may be finances. It may be health. It may be a relationship. It may be something that when I name the big four or five, it doesn't even come close to your situation. It doesn't matter if I know. God knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. 
I can't do anything about it anyway, but the father can do something about it. And it's okay to be honest and not say, hey, I've got this perfect faith. I'm in this great place. It's okay to say to the Lord, I do believe in you, but I'm struggling over here in this. And how about this? Jesus doesn't reject the one who struggles. He loves him and embraces him and helps him. All of us should be glad that the Lord doesn't reject the struggler. When Yeshua saw that the people ran and gathered near him, he rebuked that foul spirit and he said to it, deaf spirit that does not speak, I'm commanding you, go out from him and you shall not enter him again. And the demon screamed greatly again. Don't look at this like it. Try to put yourself, use your imagination for a moment. Look what happens. The demon screamed greatly. How big is greatly? I don't think it was a, ah. It's like ear piercing. Shattering, freaking, scary. And the demon screamed greatly, pounded the boy, and went out. And the boy was like a dead man, so that many were saying, "Uh uh-oh, we had to destroy the boy to save him. Go to the next one. But Yeshua took him by the hand and raised him up. But when Yeshua had entered the house, his disciples asked him amongst themselves. Now look at their question. They're out of earshot of all the people, of all the teachers of the law. They're with Jesus privately. So here's the question. Why were we not able to cast out the demonic? Now, let me just point this out. This is not the first time the disciples have had to do the work of Jesus. And by the way, you are called to do the work of Jesus. These things and greater shall you do. What things is he talking about? One of the things is to destroy the works of the devil. That's part of what believers do. We tear down the works of the devil. This should not be so foreign to us that we think that's a pastor's job to do that. That's your job to do that. You have authority in you. You have the name of Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you have that power inside of you. Whether you've never tapped it or not, I don't know. Whether you've ever been told you can do that, I don't know. But our job is not always to read the Bible and think that was great. We're to read the Bible and do it today. Do you believe that? Is it so far out of our range that it's become a a historical document and that we love a historical Jesus, but we don't see him operating in our lives today? You are that thing. You are that thing. Know it or not, you are that thing. You are powerful. You have authority. So they ask him, hey, why didn't it work? And then Jesus' answer, this sort. So the word sort means there have to be different kinds. Yes? You see that? So apparently they've been successful up until this point at being able to overcome the enemy. But now they've run into the demonic that must be a little tougher, a little stronger, a little higher level. And so what they were doing is not working at this point. So how about this? What got you here may not get you there. What you've been successful with for years, what you've learned how to do, what you've become familiar with, what has gotten you along the path, you may be running into something right now that you've never dealt with, and so you keep saying the same thing, praying the same thing, doing the same thing, but you're not getting victory. So let me identify real quickly. Who are we praying for when we get done today? People who have been praying a long time and you can't get through that thing over and over again. A sickness, a habit, an attitude. Perhaps it's unforgiveness. Do you know that unforgiveness can be a form of the enemy working in your life? He can bind you with unforgiveness. He can keep you held in a place through bitterness. Maybe it was something that happened to you when you couldn't help it. You were a child, a victim. But we hold on to that thing thinking, I have a right to feel the way I do. Granted, the problem with that is it locks you where you're not living life anymore. And the devil holds you captive in that place. So one of the ways that we can do spiritual warfare is to forgive. Did you know that? We can forgive people and there's a release. You're not saying it's okay what someone did to you. What you're saying is, I'm not going to be held captive by what a person did to me. So we can release those things. So the disciples, they've been successful. I would think many of you in this room, you've been successful at some level spiritually. You're probably not here today if not. I think you believe when you read. I think you want to do what we're saying. And perhaps you can look back and say, yeah, but what's going on now? Since the pandemic, how's it been? Is it a weary time or what, man? 
It seems like we just want to move forward, two steps up and three steps back. It's held constantly. I'll talk about that in a minute. So the disciples are dealing with this thing and they ask Jesus, why couldn't we, why couldn't we deal with this one? What happened? And then Jesus said, this sort cannot come out by anything except fasting and what? So they've run into something that just takes a little more than what they've done before. Um, I just put down this idea in my notes. Man, this sort means that there's different kinds, meaning that some are easier, some are more difficult. You may be right now dealing with something you've never dealt with before, but you're doing the same thing that you always did, and it's just not working. You're stuck. The worst thing about being stuck is when you don't ask for help. I, I told this story many, many years ago, driving over to a rec center one morning in a snowstorm, and the car in front of me slid off the road into a snowbank, right? And I'm wearing I, little tennis shoes and I don't want to get out in the snow. And I pass by the person stuck and it's, it's a young woman and I'm thinking, gosh, if it was my daughter, what would I want the guy behind her to do? So I just kept driving and prayed for, no, I, <laughs> anybody like that? I just, Lord, bring somebody, somebody good. Somebody safe? <laughs> None of you do that, apparently. Okay, no, I pulled over, jumped out of the car, but in the meantime, another car pulled up, and a guy ran up, and so by the time I got there, the lady has her window down, and the guy's trying to give her driving lessons. So can I just tell you, when you're stuck, you don't need driving lessons. So what I said to the guy is, hey, help me push her out. So we got to the front of the car. All she needed was a little shove out, and once she got going, she didn't stop to thank us. She just kept going, which is exactly what she should have done. If you're stuck, don't curse about it. But don't act like being stuck is okay. God's here to help today. He loves you. He doesn't want his plan and purpose from the beginning of time is that you go forward. He's designed for you the ability to move forward. He's got good things for you. And when we're stuck, the enemy screams at us, see, where's your God now? I, I thought, I, I guess I'd just use it as an example. You need to know what you're dealing with to know how to handle it. So raising five children, Amy was the oldest uh, Amy was a strong-willed child. Anybody else have a strong-willed? Were you a strong-willed child? Yeah, I was too. I remember my mother blessing me with telling me, I can't wait till you have a child like you. <laughs> Any of you ever said, think what you're saying before you say those things. The truth of the matter is, uh, you know, learning how to direct a strong will makes or breaks a person. And today, she is a strong woman in the Lord because that's the gift that God gave her. But man, I, she, she and I clashed. I, I'd put her at bed at two. And every night, she not two in the morning, when she was two. When she was two. Just assume good about me, would you? Not, no wonder she had a strong will, you yeah. So I'd put her to bed. She was two. I would find her an hour, two hours. She never made a peep. She'd get out of bed. One time I caught her. She's standing on the counter in the bathroom, medicine cabinet, going through all the medicine. Two. Yes. Like, what are you looking for? She's like, hey, I need some Advil in my head. No, she's just, <laughs> just a strong-willed child. So we were living in Lexington, Kentucky. We were youth pastors and... Um, we moved into this new neighborhood, and so the kids are out meeting kids. And Amy had this friend that was a snotty little girl. She was a, she was a snot. When you can remember that 30-some-odd years later, that's a snot. She was a snot. And so Ames again, just, you know, just made up her own mind. She's always had her own mind. So the, someone knocks at the door, and I open the door, and it's a mother of this girl holding a butcher knife. Hello, Avon calling. No, uh, what's going on? She said, you, this is your knife and your daughter is chasing my daughter with this butcher knife. 
And I'm like, Amy, get the mom, not the... Oh, come on. It's a joke, joke. Guy, we do live in a day where you can't even say that. It's like, oh, there. So I'm like, and the mother says something ugly to me like, and you need to deal with your daughter. Yes, I know. I, believe me, I'm trying every day. It's just strong, strong will. So Katie then... So three boys, two girls. Katie comes along. Katie, compliant. I mean, if you have a compliant child. So compliant children are complete. You've got to know what you're dealing with. Amy needed more discipline. There's an ugly word today, too. Oh, I'm afraid to. Yeah, huh, that's right. Discipline your children if they need it. If you don't, the world is going to later on. Listen to me. Discipl- I didn't say beat them, mistreat them, harm them, discipline them. Yeah. Teach them the way. Yeah. Show them right from wrong. Yes? Yeah. And you need to know what right and wrong is. There, I'm another mess. I, okay. So Katie is compliant. Katie, all I had to do was raise an eyebrow like this. This is a threatening eyebrow right here like that. Katie would get right back in line. This eyebrow could make her cry. I never had to threaten her, never had to discipline her. She just like that. Still works, doesn't it? You're like, yes, dad. Um, And then, of course, we had twins. I broke a wooden spoon over twins one time, wrestling with. I said, you can't even say that today. How many of you know what a wooden spoon is? How many of you know how to use a wooden spoon? I make cake better all the time. Me too. Right on a little behind. Um, So, knowing what you're dealing with, you cannot deal. How about this? If every problem you see is a nail, then you have to be a hammer. But if you can get subtlety in what you're dealing with, not every demonic thing is a nail. Some, it's enough to just use the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. Some have a stronghold in a person's life and they need to confess things sometimes. Sometimes a person's in rebellion and they need to walk out of rebellion and they need to submit themselves. There's all sorts of, and you need to know what you're dealing. You cannot treat everything exactly the same. So let me give you one more example of this. I think we can see it in this situation where the disciples say to Jesus, why didn't this work for us? Because this kind... Not like the other kinds you've been doing. This kind is going to take more prayer and it's going to take some fasting with. So by the way, when we talk about fasting, I know that's an old, uh, and just that's not a modern thing for the most part. Although uh, they, they, they now talk about, what is that kind of fasting? That intermittent fasting, right? Intermittent fasting. Um, so fasting food is to weaken your flesh. That's the idea. So that your spirit comes alive to God. Because can I just tell you, maybe an even more powerful, fast media today. Media, dude, you are eating from a trough every day. You're either eating from God's trough or you're eating from the world's trough. Listen to me. So you think, well, then I'll look for a certain kind of media and I'll be safe. You're still eating of the world. You want to eat from the trough of life. You want to fill yourself with what the Holy Spirit is doing. Sometimes for us today, it can be harder to fast media than it is breakfast. Thank you for that rousing, powerful amen, pastor. We get, I'd rather fast food, pastor, than my phone. Yeah, I know. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Acts 19. Uh, 11 to 16. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Look at these miracles. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched Paul were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. I would say to you, these are lesser. Not, they don't have as strong a hold on a person. So all it takes is a handkerchief that had been under the anointing that Paul had. And then here's where I always get in trouble because I, I can't just... Keep moving on. On television, there are ministries that try to sell. I'll sell a handkerchief so that you can get your breakthrough. Who do we think we are to market the anointing? Like it's something to be sold and bargained and bartered with? 
And you know who that works with? Desperate people. People who will pay anything to get out from underneath the thing that they're in. Bring your desperation to Jesus. Not to somebody trying to manipulate you and get money from you in order to get some kind of a breakthrough. Bring it to Jesus. Do you hear me? Don't be gullible. Don't fall for that. Paul's not selling these things. Follow the story. Some Jews. Now, this, these are not Jewish believers. and That's why it doesn't call them believers. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. So let's just, just pick the picture here. They've seen what Paul's been able to do, and they calculated there's money to be, there's going to be their hustle. We're going to go around and set people free by calling on this name of Jesus. And they must have had some level of success with it because we're reading their story. But then watch what happens. So they would say, now notice the words, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Not the one that I preach, not the one that I know, but the one that Paul preaches. You see the difference right here? I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them. Look at this answer. Jesus, I know. Paul, I've heard about. Who are you? Uh-oh. This, I mean, can you look and realize this is not going the way that I... They've come up against... They've messed with something. They've trifled with something that now they have no answer for. Let me finish the... I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. This is not a good... This is not those stories you tell when you're trying to convince people, hey, you can fight the demonic. This is the one you share with. Don't mess with this stuff. Uh, He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I think it's funny too. Thank you for laughing. The rest of the I don't want to talk about this, Pastor. Let's go on to another. Uh, when I was, I was 15, and I had just been called into ministry, and I knew very little about spiritual warfare, but I had gone to this conference. Uh, boys, listen to this. I had gone to this conference, right, 15, and the guy was talking about spiritual warfare. And so one of the things he said is that, clear your house out, man. Clean your house out. Anoint it with oil disinvite the enemy, invite the Holy Spirit, just do this. Now, okay, so I heard that and didn't think in terms of like, do I know what I'm doing? I just, I'm, I'm excited. You need knowledge with zeal, not just zeal. So I go home, you can believe this, you cannot believe it, I'm just telling you. I walked through my house. Um, My stepdad was an alcoholic. The one who should have been doing it was the authority of the house. So in a way, I'm kind of, but he didn't do it. And he he was a mean man. So I walked through my house and I'm just, I'm just talking to the devil out loud. You have no place here. You don't belong here. You come with me now. And I'm going room to room. And as I'm cleaning out, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, fill this place. So that when we walk in here, what we sense is your presence, not darkness. You ever felt darkness? I get all the way to the front door and I can't move. I literally, a force is pushing back on my... I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm not trying to scare you. You have to go to church here for a long time to know. I don't tell these kind of stories. I'm not sensational. That's not. But I literally, I got two or three feet from the front door and it is pushing back on me. And I wished at 15, I would have known, yell out to Jesus right now. But instead it frightened me so bad, I turned around and I ran away from it. I think this is what this is right here. They have no idea what they're messing with. They have no idea what they're doing. I'm coming to you and saying today, we're living in a different time than we lived in even two years ago. 
There's more addiction today than there was two years ago. There's more depression today than there was two years. There's more confusion, pain, suicide. Call it out. Anger. People like on the edge constantly right now. More murder. More crime. Anxiety. Call them. Spiritual war. Tell me. Hate. Addiction. Division. We are far more divided today than we were two years ago. Amen. Yes or no? Yes. So we look at these things and we never go. Is there an enemy behind it? We look at a person and we think, what a... And your enemy, you are not my enemy. You are not my... And you are not each other's enemy either. But you have an enemy. And you have authority over that enemy. But then we run into something we've never fought before and we keep using the same thing we always did and then we can't get free and we wonder, what's going on? Doesn't this work anymore? Isn't God powerful anymore? Isn't his word true anymore? Yes, but you've come up against something now. What got you here may not get you there. But there's more in the tool bag that you don't know about. There's higher levels of authority. You don't need to be afraid. You need to step into a higher level of authority. All right, so let me... Let me get this real quick because this is why one point takes so long. Let me, let me just give you three thoughts on praying real quick. Let me be very practical with you. If anything that I'm saying is making sense to you and you want to do something about it, or maybe in the next few days you're going to run into something at work, at home, in the world, in your own life, Something that you just can't shake, something you can't get free from, something that tries to invade your world, something that wants to capture you, something that's eating what you have. What will you do about that? So let me give you three thoughts on praying and why these are important to master and learn and not just, no, I don't want you just to listen to another message. I want you to do this message. Matthew chapter six. Uh, Jesus is asked by the disciples, teach us to pray. Now, I grew up in a church that taught the Lord's Prayer, but they taught it as memorization. So in fact, uh, one of the, the exercises was that when you went to confession, what they would tell you is go now and say 12, our fathers, and 10 Hail Mary. Anybody, do you remember? And so what you learned to do then because it's just rote memorization is, you say it as fast as you can so you can get on with your life because we think it's just, just so long as I say it, there's the power. That is, Jesus never, the disciples didn't say, teach us to memorize. Teach us how you pray. Our guide in Israel, we pray at every meal. We pray before we start the day. We, and I make him pray with us and he's not a believer. But you know what he told me? The difference between you and an average Jew in Israel is that you act like you're really talking to God. He said, we just say the prayers over and over and over again. So this is Matthew 6. Jesus has asked the question, teach us to pray. So then Jesus says this, when you pray, please look at this. Don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. Look at this sentence. They think their prayers are answered merely by what? Repeating, repeating their words again and again. That repeating it again and again does nothing. So listen to this. What is the Lord's Prayer? It's a template. It's a model. It's something you're to take and not just learn the word. The words are fine to learn, by the way. It's okay. But that's not where the power is. The power is using it as a model. So it begins. Listen, the Lord's Prayer real quick. Our? So begin by, he's your father. Coming back from Israel this time, we got stuck on a flight in the middle of the day. I've never done that. Normally we leave in the middle of the night. We can sleep coming back to America. This time we leave in the middle of the day and every little kid in Israel is on this flight. <laughs> Everyone is packed with children. And so there, there's a verse where we call it uh, Abba, Abba Father. But I heard all these little Jewish children calling their dad, it's Abba. And they're all crying, Abba, Abba. Abba, I need to go to the bathroom. Abba, I'm hungry. Abba, I'm thirsty. I got so sick of Abba. I'm just like. <laughs> but man, they were saying it out of relationship and we say it out of memorization. He is your father. So I've learned now 
And when I speak to him, as weird as you think this is, I call him Abba. He is my dad. And if you can't relate to him that way, what happened in your childhood that broke that out of you? Probably the same thing that happened to me. And so relearning what is true and right is so important in that relationship so that you know who's on your side when you go into battle. Ah. All right. So our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. We praise your name. We worship you. You are awesome. May your kingdom come. By the way, this is a different version because if I give you the same one you always know, your mind will go on cruise control. So it's a different. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come, we would say, and your will be done on earth. But may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look at the next part. Give us today the food we need. Daily bread is what we memorized. And forgive us our sins, trespasses, as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, Abba, but rescue us from who? Take time and ask the Lord for his deliverance for the evil one. Where is the devil having a field day in your life? Is he eating your finances? Speak. It's rhetorical. And I don't know when I look at it. Don't think, oh, he knows what he's, that's why he's stopping. He knows something. I know nothing. I know enough to stop and look at people when I'm teaching. What is he doing? What is he doing with your children? What's he doing to your family? What's he doing to your peace? What's he doing in your life? What's he taking from you right now? What's he blocking you from hearing right now? What will you walk out of this place and your eyes won't see and your ears won't hear and your heart won't change? Ask the Lord, deliver me from the evil one. We think it's our job. And sometimes we can resist. Sometimes we can submit to God. But sometimes we need God himself to come and pull us out of a pit. And set our feet on solid ground. David said, I was in a pit and I cried to the Lord. And he turned his ear to me and he heard my cry. And he lifted me out of a miry pit and he set my feet on solid ground. Therefore, I will praise I will praise. I mean, some things you can't do. You're not strong enough. You're not enough. But in him, you're more than enough. Like, does it something inside of you go, yes, that's the Holy Spirit. Wake up. Come on. Jump in. Don't run away. Don't make it to the front door and stop. Open the door and kick him out. Don't let him have your life. Don't let him have your children. Don't let him have anything. He's like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. When he comes to devour, make sure he starves to death. Make sure he starves. Don't let him have anything. Don't negotiate nothing. All right. Uh, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you. Isn't this funny how Jesus is connecting the Lord's prayer to our need to forgive right after he teaches, deliver us from evil and be willing to forgive. Hmm. We never read it that way, but that's really interesting. Go to the next one. Uh, and when you fast, he includes it. By the way, we cut the Lord's prayer off at thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. But Jesus is still talking. Yes or no? He's still talking right now, but we cut this part out. And when, you, Lord, teach us to pray. Okay, here's the model. And then he keeps talking. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as hypocrites do. They try to look miserable. Oh, I'm fasting. I got floaters in front of my eyes. Stop. <laughs> fast and don't tell anybody you're doing it. Act like you're not fasting. Act like you just had the best meal ever. They dishevel themselves so people admire them for their religious efforts. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they will ever get. What a cruddy reward that is. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, <laughs> then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will what? You will never be disappointed in that reward. It doesn't come close. When people pat you on the back, it is nothing like when God says, well done, good and faithful servant. There's ultimate reward right there. All right. 
Um, so three things about prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a template for how to pray. I would encourage all of you, take the Lord's Prayer and stretch it out. Learn to pray so that when we don't just say, uh, and, and forgive us our sins, confess your sins to the Lord. Well, I don't have any sins. The first one's pride. The second one is lying. <laughs> so, here's, do this. Do this. Never give up when you pray. So, pastor, how long is never? <laughs> never give up. Matthew 7 is Jesus talking. Keep on asking. Keep on on asking like you've been doing this keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for keep on seeking and you will find keep on knocking and the door will be open to you and then he uses this for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be open and then he uses the relationship between parents and children parents if your children ask for a loaf of bread do you give them a stone instead ha i got you son that's cruel. Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you, who are sinful compared to God, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? And the secret here, according to Jesus, is that we have to keep on keeping on. You have to keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. And is that easy or hard to do? Gosh, we start into things running and then when it gets difficult and hard and we don't get the answer and the enemy is yelling in your ear, what are you doing? This doesn't work. Can't you see the evidence all around you? And then you have to make a decision. What am I going to do? Yes. And you have to stay with it and you have to keep. But pastor, I've been praying a long time and keep on praying. Yes. But pastor, it's been, I mean, it's been months. Sometimes it may be years. Yeah. Yeah. God forbid decades, but will you? Yeah. If you have to, will you? What we do, listen to me, in the longevity, it gets so long, what we do, we lower what we're praying about down here to the evidence rather than taking the evidence and telling, here's what God says. And that is hard to do, but that is maturity. That's maturity. We're not living by our emotions at that level. Now we're living by what is true and what is right. All right, so on the never give up, I wrote the, these are old-fashioned words, grit, Determination, persistence, patience, fortitude. What? All of those are necessary for answered prayer. Sometimes it comes like that, and sometimes we are required to hang in there and keep believing. To call those things as aren't, that aren't as though they are. And don't become weary, by the way. Um, this will be tough for you to see. I have these little scriptures all over the offices. This was from the green room, which is just right back here where we gather for prayer before the service. How close can you, is that as close as you can get? This is Galatians 6, 9. So it says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we have a promise that if we don't give up, we will reap a harvest. How many of you want to reap something? You want God's promises. The key to that is to not give up. But let me change the words here real quick. Let us not become weary in doing good. How many of us have become good in doing weary? The church is full of weary people today, and we have become good at it. We're tired. We've been through something that in our lifetime we've never experienced before. Yay? Nay? Agreed? The worst part of the pandemic is not two years ago. The worst part of it is the whiplash that's happening right now. Test scores are lower than they've ever been. Fear is higher than it's ever been. Young people are going through depression. Young people who haven't even lived their lives yet. The devil is stealing their future, or at least lying to them about their future. I, I, I wrote in my notes this way. Uh, Post-pandemic weariness is what I called it. This weariness right now. Um, Tell on me real quick. I underestimated the weariness. So we start the building program 
um, December of 2020. Pandemic is raging. Remember? Is raging. And the Lord says, he takes that scripture from Genesis. For those who hear Genesis, the 47 one, I'm going to bring you into Goshen. You'll acquire property. You'll find peace. You'll grow. And it's going to be awesome. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. This is the John Leach version of the Genesis 47. It's a good version. And so in the middle of the pandemic, we begin to raise money and the church at a time when you would think it's just, that's impossible, that's silly to do it. it. There's nothing where the river's flowing the right way. But we're not counting on a natural river. Right. We're counting on what God is doing and just trying to be obedient. And we raise more money than we've ever, six and a half million dollars. And the giving is higher than it's ever been during the pandemic. Not just for legacy, but the tithe. I'm just like, this is supernatural. And, and then a miscalculation in how long we'd be in the school and how difficult that was going to be. And forgive me, I don't mean this arrogantly. It took the best leadership that I ever had to produce to lead our church through that time. And it wasn't just me. It was everybody in leadership that pulled together and the church pulled together. But to not, how many churches were destroyed during that time? And we're building and moving forward. And so in my mind, it took such energy emotionally and spiritually. I underestimated and thought to myself, if I can just get it over the finish line, then the spiritual momentum of that act will take over and I can rest a little bit and I can let up a little bit. And I thought that was right. Listen to me. So we crossed the finish line in July and I just am like, God, I'm tired. I need to step back. And that's when all hell broke loose. So before I'm in a fighting position and I'm telling everybody, make sure the devil starves. But I hit this place and I back off. The finances have just been, they're not good. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking an offering. Just, can I say this? I'm not good right now. We're, we're, thank you. We're going through stuff with the staff right now and you can see that. And I know people want me to address it. Look at me. When I keep my mouth shut, it's to protect people. It's to not expose people. If you don't know what to say, keep your mouth shut. Don't come up with stupid things. Don't say things you're going to regret. Don't say things that the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to say. So can you assume that if I don't talk about somebody else, that I wouldn't talk about you either? Do you ever think of it that way? Pastor is tight-lipped. You bet I can keep a secret and I protect people and I do it very well. So if you ever need a pastor, that's what we do around here. We protect people. That's what we do. And it may be that you're curious and you want to know, I don't know what to say about it right now without exposing people the wrong way. Okay? So we're going through this thing with the staff. We're going through this thing with the finances. It's just like this, such a difficult moment in time, and I miscalculated. I'm like, so what am I teaching right now? I'm teaching me as much as I'm teaching you. We're up against something right now that everything I've done for the past 37 years in ministry is not working in this current moment. The gift that I have, I keep operating in my gift. I'm a faithful man, and I am full of grit. Sometimes all you do to win is just outlast everybody else. That's it. It's not very, yay. It means you just stick it out when it's, I can handle a storm. I can pull a mainsail up in a storm. Most people know how to pull one up when it's calm and it's good, and then they run when the storm comes. You're not anything until you know how to pull it up in a storm. Stick it out in a storm. Be faithful when it's difficult. You can't do marriage unless you do that. You can't do friendship unless you do that. You can't hold a job and be promoted unless you do that. And if you're skip-scapping all over the place, every five months it's hard, I'm going someplace else. Stop it. You are misliving your life. 
And you're going to end up in a place where you do not have the internal fortitude to do life well. I'm telling you something right now. So I listen to me. So I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. Dude, I got to learn. There's just something we're fighting right now. We've never fought before, but I'm not running away. And I'm not getting to the door and backing up in fear. I'm opening the door and I'm kicking the enemy out. We're going to move through this time. We're going to do it well. We're going to do it together. We're not going to do it and say, look, Pastor John was successful. You are called to this right now. You in your place in life right now, you are called to this. Don't go, good for you, pastor. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Good for us. We do this and we do this together. We're successful. And we overcome the enemy. And we tear down the works of the devil. <laughs> hmm. Boy, that was, that was good. That was good. That was Okay, I am done. Pray with expectation, James 5, 16. Uh, confess your trespasses, your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Look at this sentence. The effective, what's that word? There's an old fashioned word, fervent prayer of a righteous man, but that means righteous person. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. One of the things we can do, the Bible says that two are better than one because they get a better reward for their labor. When one is not enough, they can go and two. One can put a thousand, two can put 10,000 to flight. And then it says, and a cord of three strands is really tough to break. Who's that third strand? God in your life. So you, a friend, and God are formidable. So prayer team, come on, get up. Get ready. Uh, Lisa, if you want to take your place too. So who are these people uh, coming up here? People that have been discipled in prayer. People that understand what got us here may not get us there. People that know how to flow in the Holy Spirit. People that want to pray with you today. The worst part about being stuck is not that you're stuck. You're not bad for being stuck, but you're silly to stay there. Don't stay stuck. You stay stuck long enough, what you do is you build your house in a stuck place. You live your life from a stuck place. Do not do that. Listen to me. Please hear me. What is it that you cannot get victory over? What is it that you've been praying for for a long time? What did you used to be able to handle and do that now has become a noose that won't let you go? What has trapped you? What is holding you? What is eating that you can't stop? Where are you failing? And what do you believe? Jesus said it's okay to say, man, I'm having some trouble. I believe, but help where I'm struggling to believe. It's okay to say that, but don't stay in that place. All things are possible. To him who believes. So I arranged this time. And we can do it this way. I'm going to pray. And if you don't feel like you need prayer this morning. Or you are like I, I just got something else I have to get to. I bless you. I love you. There's no condemnation. I get it. It's not always the right time. This is when it's the right time. So if you need to go when I start praying. You're dismissed. If you're a visitor and you want to go to First Five, there'll be a couple of pastors over there that can greet you and get you your gift. If you need prayer, stay. And then as you want to, you can just come up and come to these people. You can come as a single. You can come as a couple. You can come as a family. You can come with friends. It doesn't matter. Just whatever. You can wait in line. You can sit in your seat. You can come sit in the front. You can do whatever you want to do. But I'm encouraging you today, don't walk out of this place if you know you need prayer. Let the Lord set you free today. Believe that God has done something to make this possible. Hmm. <laughs> staff, all my staff, please don't fall victim to we can't, he needs us, can't be real right now, stop that. Too many pastors. There are less pastors today than there were two years ago. 
pastors, I've never seen a time where pastors are falling quicker than they're falling right now. Please, all of my staff, please. You need Jesus as much as anybody else in this room. Pastor John needs Jesus as much as anybody else in this room. Maybe more. Maybe more. So Father, we love you. If you need to go, now's the time. Just be respectful. We love you and we bless you. I release your people, Father God. Go with them. Fill their hearts and their lives. Strengthen them today. God, as they go about work and time with their family, running activities or chores, whatever it is, Father God, be real in their lives. Just help them. Speak to them. Let your mercy and grace be upon them in a new way. For those that are staying for prayer, I speak over you today the deliverance of the Lord. Luke 4, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news. Listen to the next to set at liberty the captive. Here's what I told the Lord this morning. It will be successful if people are set free today. It will not be successful if all we did was preach well. It will be successful if you set people free today. Prayer team, I speak to you the boldness of the Lord, the awareness of the Lord, the protection of the Lord. Pray that the Lord would give you eyes and ears and a heart to understand, see and hear what you're praying for and how you're praying. Folks that need prayer, you're not coming for counseling. You don't need a 15-minute warm-up telling them everything that's wrong. Just come up and say, I need prayer for, and be real. Be real. God respects boldness, and he expects authenticity. Please, put your pride away. Don't listen to the enemy tell you, you can't share. You can't go. You can. And the Lord wants to be strong on your behalf today. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.